You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is my good friend, Linnea. Now, Linnea is new to hunting. I mean, she kind of grew up around it. She's got some involvement with it, information on it. But really, it wasn't until this year that she got serious about it. And so on this episode, we're going to be talking all about an upcoming mule deer hunt in Utah. All the plans, preparation, gear, you name it, I'm super excited about this because we're going to tackle this thing head on. And not only is this her first Western hunt, it's my first Western hunt with a bow. And although maybe I'm not the one carrying the bow or with the tag in my pocket, I'm going to be learning all of this stuff right alongside her. So it's going to be a good episode. Let's jump right in. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. All right, guys. Welcome to today's show. And joining me in the back of a bus, of all places, is my good friend Linnea. And she drew her first big game tag. So we're going to talk all about what this hunt's going to look like, how excited she is. But first, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we are finally together to do this. And honestly, this is like the perfect, the perfect spot and the perfect time. You know, it all worked out. It did. Yeah. And we've been, we've been talking about this hunt ever since last summer. I mean, really when we met, yeah, you had just got a bow. Actually, backstory. How did do we you remember the first time that we ever talked 
Yeah. Do you remember why? Yeah, because your bow, like, blew up oh. on you. <laughs> My bow blew up on me because I was an idiot. Yeah. So. That was how our, this relationship started. Yeah, we, we got connected because we both got cast, if you will. That sounds a little too official. Yeah, it does. We both competed in a competition where we renovate RV, or like there was a van team, an RV team, and a school bus team. And we were, we were both on the van team. And so early on we were doing like Zoom calls or Skype calls or something, trying to figure out the planning and like what we're going to put in the van, how, how that's all going to work out. And pretty early on, I mean, it doesn't take long for people to talk to me to realize that I'm a hunter. And you were mm-hmm. like, dude, Dan, do you, do you hunt? And I'm like, yeah. And you're like, no way. I just got a bow. I got a Matthews. And I'm like, okay, she's pretty sweet. Like <laughs> she got a Matthews and she's getting into hunting. And so from then it was like, are you bringing your bow to gutted? Uh, that's, the, that's the name of the event we did. And actually the school bus we're in right now is the one from the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're at the premiere up in KC. So it all comes full circle. It really does. But so you got your bow. Why don't you start by doing this? Because a lot of my listeners might not know you, although you're like super famous on social media. (laughs) Um, Why don't you share with people who you are, kind of what you do, and maybe why you got into hunting? Okay, I'm going to try to keep this short. Um, So I... So I live in a van. I think that's an important piece to all of this. Oh, yeah. Um, so I live in a van full time with my dog. And uh, basically what I do is I travel, I vlog, I share my experience. Um, <clears throat> I used to do a lot of like fitness and health and, and kind of outdoor stuff and then transitioned into doing YouTube full time when I did my van build because I did it all by myself and that kind of just took off, you know, a solo female building her own van and people loved watching it, so that just took off. And now that's what I do. I live in my van, and I am a full-time YouTuber, which is so, like, it's still so weird for me to say that out loud. And, like, yeah, I'm a YouTuber. It's just so weird. And when you tell people, do you get, like, the second question? Like, but, but like, what do you do? Yeah. All the, yeah. They're like, well, I mean, uh, sure, you make YouTube videos, but, like, what do you actually do for a living? And it's yeah. like, no, that is what I do. Yeah, and I wish almost that you could, like, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you guys, too, where you wish that you could take people along and and show them, you know, it's not like I'm just traveling around and, like, have a camera on myself. There's so much work and so much back-end yeah. stuff and so much of the editing and the uploading and the connecting. And, like, it's it's so much work, but it is an incredible, like, it's worth it 100% because it allows me to do everything that I want to do, which actually is a great segue into the hunting stuff because my whole reason for being in the van and having the build that I have and and knowing everything that I do know about my build and my home is so that I can do all the things that I want to do that I love. So for me, that is getting out in the middle of nowhere and just exploring and learning new skills and being out in nature. I um, spent a lot of my life backpacking and, and spending weeks out into the backcountry. And there, I think, I'm sure, you know, if hunters are listening to this, they will resonate with the fact that 
the decision to hunt, if you weren't brought up hunting, the decision to do that is is due to an accumulation of experiences and knowledge and connecting with people and challenging yourself and maybe challenging some ideas. And so throughout my life, you know, my family has always been very connected to the outdoors. And I think I have picked up a lot of like survival skills and um, respect for nature and processing small game and, and, all this little stuff from kind of through osmosis from my brothers yeah. because they, they, you know, they did tracker courses and spent time just surviving out in the wilderness and whatever, but I wasn't doing that necessarily with them, but I kind of gained this respect and like, Oh wow. You know, nature is this incredible, amazing, harmonious and non-harmonious thing. And that's like real life. Yeah. That's real life. The crap that we're living in, that's not real life. And so with the van and kind of my my love for nature, it's like I just want to get into the real world and learn about it. And <clears throat> I think a big turning point for me was, A, kind of feeling like I wanted more in nature. Like you can be there and experience and love it, but I want like a little bit more of a connection. I want to be a part of it. Yeah. And then um, – my well my ex-boyfriend he was a hunter and he introduced me to donnie vincent and i know that we've talked about him a little bit but when i started following donnie vincent and reading his stuff and watching his films that he like his words and his actions and his ideas just absolutely spoke to me and everything clicked and just made sense and i was like wow okay this is something that i want to learn i know i have to take it slow and I know I want to be really confident before I do anything like a big game hunt. And I want to learn a lot and have the right mentors. And so that was kind of the turning point for me to be like, okay, cool. This is, this is what I want to do. Now I need to change my build a little bit and get a bow and all this stuff. Yeah. That, I like how, I like how you just said, I'm going to get into this, but I need to take it slow. Mm-hmm. But you're doing your first hunt is like a mule deer archery hunt. Like that is a tough hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. You, you put in for that last year. Actually, we talked about doing a hunt last year, mm-hmm. looking at maybe Arizona. Mm-hmm. Things just didn't work out with that. But this year, you actually put in for uh, a tag mm-hmm. out in Utah. And it was only like, what, a week ago, two weeks ago that, that you I, found out? Yeah. And you it sent it ago. to me. I was like, yes! <laughs> I was so excited. I know. I was. It was really late at night, and I, was, I had been checking my email all day. And... Um, Chris and I were in the bus and I was just getting ready for bed and I was like, oh, I'll just check my email one more time, you know, cause there's a really good chance that you don't even get the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I was so excited. I just screamed. I was like, I got one. I got one. And this <laughs> unit is awesome. And this is the one I wanted. And <laughs> yeah, we were so stoked. That is, that's really amazing. Yeah. To draw a unit like first try is not very common. I mean, yeah. like you can play the point game and know which ones have like a hundred percent, even with zero points. But yeah, the fact that you got it, I'm super pumped mm-hmm. because we're going to spend a ton of time because yeah. I mean, you're mobile already. Yeah. Sam and I are going to be mobile at that point. Mm-hmm. And so we can spend like the whole season out there and chasing after mule deer. So perfect. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be amazing. <sighs> so excited there's a ton of people that listen who may be into hunting already but have never western hunted Mm -hmm. and so i think this episode we're going to focus a lot on 
like what are you doing to prepare because you do want to be as prepared as possible mm-hmm. you don't want to get out there and you know mess something up or I, I'm like I don't want to put your eyes are like getting bigger I'm like I don't want to put a bunch of doubt like fatally wound an animal and never find it no we're not going to speak about that yeah. but you do want to be prepared when you go out there you want it to be not necessarily like comfortable but like you want to enjoy yourself while you're out there you want to be successful you want to have awesome encounters with animals mm-hmm. what are you doing right now to prepare for that well um, I'm talking to you, <laughs> but also this is new for both of us. Yeah. So like we're both kind of preparing together, but, um, I mean a big, a big thing is like the physical aspect of it, you know, like needing to really buckle down and shoot every day and get my poundage up and feel really confident in that realm, like the physical realm. Right. But then of course the knowledge of, of the, um, the landscape and the herds that are out there and understanding all of that and the way that they move and, Um, I feel really lucky with the social media following that I have. I've had some incredible people reach out and be like, hey, here's what we learned after years of hunting this unit or whatever. And so I do have some incredible connections. And in that same vein, then with us having like time to be there, which is like we are so fortunate to have that because, you know, a lot of people that work a normal job, they have a weekend and then they yep. go back to work and then maybe they can go out the next weekend. But because we have the time to be there and be on the land and both of us are very experienced in the backcountry, we can be like, cool, like we'll see you in three weeks. We're going to we're going to go scout hard, yeah. you know, and be up in the mountains and, and figure out what they're doing and where they're moving and where they're betting on all of that. And I think that's going to be so great. It, I'm I'm really excited because this will be the longest amount of time that like I could actively pursue an animal. I didn't I didn't even put in for a tag this year because I was like, listen, if she doesn't get it, I don't want it. Yeah. Like we're gonna hunt, we're gonna find something to hunt together, mm-hmm. and and then if you do get it, like I'll be the camera guy, I'll be the meat packer, <laughs> I'll be the pretend scout and guide because I'm figuring it out just like you are. Yeah. But. That's so much time to actually like get to learn the animals and get to see maybe the same deer yeah, day after day mm-hmm. and figure out like, okay, you know what? They like this Southwest facing slope in the evening and they go to the same general hundred yard area mm-hmm. and maybe they don't, maybe we don't figure that, maybe we don't pattern a single deer, but I just am excited to, to watch and yeah. learn mule deer behavior and hopefully get you a shot opportunity. Yeah, me too. And I think what's cool about that, I mean, we have kind of what we're talking about is we don't have to rush. Like, yes, I, of course, want meat. You know, of course, I want to take home meat and fill my freezer and and prepare for some stuff that I'm doing in the winter. But also it gives us the opportunity if we do, you know, come up on a herd or something and, and learn about the animals as individuals, we can make a really good decision of, of like which one to take. Yeah. And that, that, that's the way that I want to do it. You know, I mean, of course that's an ideal, not all hunts. And I I would say even very few hunts go like as the ideal, but we have time to figure it all out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, what are you doing for gear? Like you've got a lot of backcountry stuff already. Mm -hmm. Are you sticking with your backcountry stuff and, like just throwing in some camo 
or are you changing anything up from what you normally take out? Uh, I, so I really want to invest in, in a nice Kefaro tent for us. I was just <laughs> telling someone about those last night. Yeah, I, I almost bought one uh, a month ago, but they were all sold out. So I would really like like an open bottom Kefaro tent where we could have a little wood stove if needed because we're going to, I mean, I'd love to really just be out there and not have to come back to the rigs or, or a house or anything if, if that's possible. So yeah. having like a comfortable spot and place for all of our gear and, and to sleep and cook and all that. Um, so that's one of the things. And then I don't know yet about my pack. I, depending on how things go, I might get a different pack that, would you know probably work better for actually packing meat out maybe fit me better um actually have my hunting gear in its own places you know it's just a normal backcountry pack that i've had for years so i might make an upgrade to that and um i I mean other than that i think i feel pretty settled yeah maybe throw in some camo yeah boots do you have good... You know, I just bought some, some good new boots. Good. They need a little bit more breaking in, though, before yeah. miles and miles in the backcountry. I need to actually buy some because I've got a great pair, and I've put, I don't know how many hundreds of miles on them, and so they're kind of, like, blowing out yeah. everywhere right now. So what boots are you looking at? You know, I don't... I thought about, like, upgrading to Kenetrek or uh-huh. Schnee's or... Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Right now, I've got Danners, and I love them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I swear by them, but people that talk about, like, Kenetrex especially, they're like, dude, you put your foot in those, and it's a whole different level. Yeah. You know, like, one of my buddies, he said he went out and put dozens of miles on the first weekend he had them. He's like, I didn't do a break-in period. He's like, never got a blister. Really? It was like a freaking cloud hugging my foot. And I'm like, okay. And I've talked to multiple people who swear by them. So hmm. part of me is like, yeah, I might, I might upgrade. I might check those out. Yeah. I mean, with all of my time doing backcountry stuff, gear, quality of gear does matter. Yeah. Like, it matters, especially if you're spending long, long, long periods of time out there. Well, to not have to worry about your gear, mm-hmm. like not worrying that it's going to fail mm-hmm. or, you know, that you're going to get blisters all over your feet. Like, to know that you're going to be okay, that you have the right sleeping bag or pad or tent to withstand the elements that you're going to encounter. Yeah. That's all very important because then when you're actually out hunting, you're not worried about, like, dang it, I got to fix my tent when I get back. Mm -hmm. You're just focused on the hunt itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would be cool. I know this is taking a little turn from gear, but just thinking about being in the backcountry with all of our stuff and our knowledge – I think it would be really cool to still try to, um, like, fish for dinner. Yeah. And I don't know if there's – is there a bird season? Like, do they – can um, you get any – You know, grouse you know? might be in yeah. season. That would, that would be super neat. If that's the case, yeah, I'll just – I'll bring, like, a twenty two breakdown yeah. rifle or something. I've been wanting to get one of those. Have you seen them? The twenty two no. like, survival rifles? Actually, they I think break my brother down. Has one. Yeah, <laughs> super small, and they're yeah. they're just really cool. And so it'd be fun to bring like even a bo- one box of ammo mm-hmm. and that, and then you shoot, you shoot a couple of grouse and yeah. you catch a couple of trout, and you've got high country surf and turf. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Cool. 
And that is somebody's car alarm going off. <laughs> Classic. That's just going to keep going, too, yeah, isn't probably. it? I hope that's not mine. I think they'll figure it out. No, nope, it's, not. it's not yours. Hmm. Oh, I see someone speed walking through the parking lot, so I think it's about to go <laughs> off here in just a second. Um, anyways. I'm curious what you're most excited about, because you, you've done so much hunting out in the Midwest. Like, what are you... What are you most excited about for being out in Utah? So there's probably two things. One, like on a personal level, I'm excited to challenge like us to get close, you know, to have those really close encounters and to play the wind right and to move when we need to and to to watch an animal from maybe the three minutes that you get to see it while it's on its feet to like getting down in the shade of a tree and completely disappearing and then having to drop down the mountain, come back up and like be somewhat accurate of where we, where we get to like I'm that like, side of it. I know I can, you're, when you're talking about this, I can like feel it in my chest, like picturing us being there. Like I I'm in, that's the other thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm just picturing we were sitting there glassing and glassing I know that you've been in the backcountry. I don't know how much time you've spent behind like binoculars or a spotting scope, but that is one of my favorite things on the planet. Like to just sit and look out over miles and you're just pick like you're looking for an ear flick or a hoof or a tail. And that might be the only thing that immediately catches your eye. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh wait, there, there he is. There's a deer uh, to sit in glass. And then once we actually, find an animal, yeah, to watch you, like, to get a game plan, and I'm going to be like, listen, Linnea, <laughs> you're going to drop down this, and we're going to figure out which way the wind's blowing yeah. and figure out what tree you have to get to in order to be close enough for a comfortable shot, mm -hmm. and then, like, for you to be looking back up at the mountain, I'm, like, watching you through the binos, <laughs> and then I'm, like, flagging you, like, right, he's to the right, you know, like, yeah. all of it. It's just, yeah. I don't know, I'm so pumped about it. Too. it's it's coming quick too yeah it is like that's an early hunt yeah most of the time when i'm looking forward to hunting seasons it's like october november which is awesome but that's farther away mm -hmm. yours starts in august yeah and so we're really like two and a half months literally oh two gosh. and a half months away that's incredible yeah what <laughs> She's I'm like, like melting so in the seat in like right now. I'm like a different mode and like I'm like right now doing this tiny home build and whatever and in Wisconsin like not doing my normal life so I'm so zoned in in what I'm doing. I didn't even realize it was two and a half months. That's incredible. Yeah. It's it's going to be here so fast. Wow. So you said you're going to start shooting every day. Yeah. Make sure you're ready for it like the physical side of it. Do you have a range that you want to be comfortable with? I mean, I would love to be comfortable at 50. Yeah. And I think I can be. Oh, for like, sure. Like, I have the time to shoot, and I, you know, I I think that that's definitely doable. So. Yeah, if, if, if you're shooting every day, mm -hmm. and there's so many things that people recommend. I mean, like, listen to podcasts about yeah. archery. Listen to John Dudley. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've watched any of his stuff. Um, but then, like, just talk to trainers, like mm -hmm. archery trainers. There's so many little tweaks here and there that you can make or go to a bow shop. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like bow you're going to be been the best. Yeah. You've been around some of like the best bow shops in the country mm-hmm. probably, or been close to them. Yeah. And so like, just pop in and be like, Hey, critique me. Yeah. Like help me get to shooting a, shooting a dollar at 50 yards, mm-hmm. you know, and people know how to do it. And you've got a great foundation already for it. Like mm-hmm. we shot, we both bought our, we both brought our bows to gutted mm-hmm. when it was airing. <laughs> And it was like, oh, let's sneak away and shoot. And we thought we were going to shoot every day. We had like (laughs) 12 minutes to shoot. But we did, and it was fun. And, like, you're a good shot. And so just continuing to build on that foundation, Mm -hmm. you're going to be ready. Yeah, I think so too. Do you have, like, I know you've got field tips for your arrows. Do you already have broadheads, anything picked out? No. Mm -mm. That's something that I want to learn about more you know like especially as the time comes closer what's best and i i hear so many different things and people are like no i swear by this guy no i swear by this. no don't do that guy and i'm like okay i'm just gonna work on shooting for now then yeah so. it's like everything in our world right now yeah. where it's like you either do this or you suck yeah or it's like only idiots use that type of product and in all reality there's a lot of good broadheads out there like, I've got the ones that I use and that I'm super comfortable with, but also I'm stationary. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sitting in a tree stand, and my broadheads are, they're mechanical, so they expand on impact. They've got a collar on them that's like a breakaway collar, so when it actually makes impact, it's allowed to open up. And I wouldn't, although I would swear by them if you're just, like, doing tree stand hunting, mm-hmm. if, if you catch it on a limb it might snap that collar and then you have to replace the collar. Like it could be a hassle in a hurry. And so I don't know that I'd recommend those. Interesting. But But you would think though with like even hunting from a tree stand though, there's a lot of limbs in your way. Right. I mean, I guess. Yeah. But like the only time you're you're really moving the bow in a tree stand is when you're like picking it up and getting ready to draw back. But even then like, Climbing up the tree stand or, like, Mm -hmm. pulling an arrow out of the quiver and, like, actually getting it hooked on to the D-loop or in front of the D-loop and, like, that. I've had, I've had collars break or I've, I've put stalks on deer in the woods. Like, I had an opportunity at a doe last year and I, like, crept up. It was one of the coolest things ever. Like, (laughs) in thick woods, I got to, like, probably 25 yards Mm -hmm. of a bedded deer no idea that I was there and uh but part part way through that stock or I don't even think I had stalked it at that point I was just walking through the woods I looked down and my my blades were just kind of dangling because oh. like one of them had caught something and busted that busted the collar on it so um maybe a fixed blade I don't know yeah. We're going to have to do a lot of research for like what is the best broadhead for western hunting Yeah for sure and I'll reach out to people that I know that are hunting out there and see what they're using. The other thing that's really cool about this is, I mean, you know how it works being an influencer. Yeah. It's always weird saying that. Um, Being an influencer, like people are really interested in partnerships, especially in the outdoor space Mm -hmm. for you being a first time hunter, Mm -hmm. a female, someone that has a great following already. There might be a lot of people that are like, dude, I want to partner with you. Yeah. So we need to start exploring (laughs) some of that stuff. 
Because <laughs> there are a lot of really cool products that would help us out there. Like, I'm going to bring yeah. my spotter. I'm going to bring my binos. At that point, I'll have a second pair. And so, like, we'll be really set up. And Vortex, I mean, they make awesome products. Yeah. But even things like the Ultimate Predator decoy. It's like a silhouette that you mm-hmm. just hook to the front of your bow. And now you can almost, like... You become invisible to the deer. Yeah. Not fully, obviously, but like I've watched people walk up to deer or antelope in pretty open country behind these things. And they're just like, oh, look, another deer. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned that before. Yeah. That's interesting. I I don't know anything about that. Yeah. We'll, we'll watch some videos. (laughs) We'll figure out exactly like the strategy, what you feel comfortable with, because I also don't want to take away from like the purity of it. Right. If there's something like that where you're like, man, I feel like I'm tricking yeah. the animal. And like say that sits funny with you. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll just nix that whole idea. Yeah. But to figure out really what your goal is for it, how you want it to play out mm-hmm. so that you can have the best experience possible out there, we'll get that game plan together and then figure out what gear we need. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like like, you know me well enough now where you're like, okay, yeah, this makes sense that Linnea would or wouldn't want to do that. Or, you know, like oh, yeah. we've talked about this stuff so much that all of that, yeah. Switching gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about a little while ago the people who were super supportive about, like, oh, hey, the, there's this unit that I hunt and there's yeah. deer everywhere. One thing you were really worried about with your following mm-hmm. and just the space that you're in was the negativity or being like shamed as a hunter and people taking it the wrong way. But like, you're, you're very open-minded and even some of the people on our team, like Steffi, Mm -hmm. she's a, what is it? Pescatarian? Is that what it's called? She only eats fish and, but she's been open to conversations about it. Yeah. And not that she's like, I want to go kill something now, (laughs) but she, she likes to learn about it and be informed about Mm -hmm. it. And like, her opinions have changed a little bit. And even yesterday, she's like, Dan, I shot a gun. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Steffi, yes. And I'm like, you yeah. got to come shoot with me. Like, come hang out in Springfield. Um, but I know that was a big concern for you yeah. with sharing with your followers that yeah. you were going to get negative feedback. Have you experienced that? Or have people been pretty open to hearing about it? Um, I have experienced it. And mostly people are really excited and supportive. Um, I think that I was pretty strategic in the way that I started to share about it. I shared about the interest first and kind of my intentions behind it. And then eventually people saw me with my bow and then people saw me shooting my bow. And then I, you know, talked about the people I was um, kind of not partnering with in the influence way, but like my mentors and like, oh, Dan this and and I, Tyler this and whatever. And then my tag, you know, so there's like this buildup. But within that time, yeah, there, there have been people that are really upset about the idea of me hunting. And I just try really hard to stay grounded in my knowing of, of what, why I'm doing it and what feels right for me because I eat meat. Like, bottom line. And that's usually what I tell people when they reach out. And they're like, how could you kill an animal? And it's like, well, because I eat meat. And I'm really removed. And I also really try to keep things, like, instead of being like, you're so removed from your food and blah, blah. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I understand that. I'm quite removed. Like, I go to a grocery store. And I see this beautifully packaged thing that looks like a chunk of meat. 
and don't really, you know, you have no connection to that animal yeah. at all. And I'm just going to buy it. And, and I have much less gratitude for that. You know, we can say like, oh, I'm so grateful for this food. But are you really like that? You're so removed. Can you really feel that animal's presence and, and the gratitude that you have for that life? Um, and so I want to bridge that gap. And that's usually what I tell people. And the really cool part is, you know, of course, people are still like, well, that's horrible. Like, you know, we must save all life. Oh, You're a murderer. Uh, I'm going to kill your family. Yeah. yeah there's, there's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's kind of like two different things that, that come to my mind. Um, and it's one, one thing that if people are open to the conversation, I kind of bring up, um, like, have you ever spent some like true time in nature? Have you ever just observed or been there? Because the truth is that, is that nature is pretty far, like, sorry, I was going to just, swear i'm trying not to it's really brutal you can say whatever you want okay it's pretty fucking brutal (laughs) you know there's like life and death and suffering and and i think that people just have this crazy idea of what hunting is and that there's just people slinging arrows and and shooting whatever moves and once you actually learn and and connect with hunters that's not why they're out there you know but so you know, that's kind of a conversation where it's like, hey, let's just like get down to the reality of it too, along with intention. And there are so many vegans and so many vegetarians that have reached out and they're like, hey, I don't eat meat, but what you're doing is really cool. Like this is how we, that's we cool. would hope, you know, people would want to reconnect with their food or if they do eat meat that they'd want to learn actually where it comes from. Yeah. So that's been, I totally did not expect that at all. To have those people be like, hey, this is really cool. I'm so excited to watch your journey. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Like, kudos to you guys, you yeah. know? Thanks. Because we can do that. Like, we can have two different opinions and, and accept where each other are, you know, where we're coming from. And that's so cool to me. So well, that's a surprise. I feel like that connection resonates with people really well. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, today's millennial hunters that didn't grow up with it that are just now learning about it and hearing about, like, hey, here's a healthy alternative to meat that you buy at a store. Mm-hmm. Like, you're against factory farming? Okay, we totally get that hunt. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, it seems like a really giant leap. Like, oh, you don't like how animals are treated in factories. Go kill one yourself. Right. Uh, What? Yeah. But there's there's just this mindset that's shifting. And not that, like, all old-school hunters were just like, oh, let's go pull the trigger at everything. But people who are getting into hunting right now, I feel like are very, very educated and want to have that connection mm-hmm. to nature. And you mentioned earlier, like, you needed something deeper. Yeah. Because for most, most humans, we're spectators. Mm-hmm. We go out, and it's not our home. Like... We live in a comfortable spot. We don't spend very many times under mm-hmm. open skies. Like, we've got a roof over our head. We don't, we don't go with circadian rhythms at all. You know, we're not yeah. up with the sunrise. We're not going to bed with the sunset. And mm-hmm. so you just don't feel a part. You just feel like a spectator watching a sport. And when you get out and hunt, like, there isn't a whole lot that you can do that connects you more to nature than hunting fishing and gathering yeah and so i'm excited to see you kind of walk through that mm-hmm. i'm excited for the emotions of it like dude i just I'm got gonna, goosebumps yeah yeah i know 
I can't wait for you to just turn around like your eyes are huge and you're like, <gasps> what just happened? Oh my gosh. Just the cool things that happen out there. Even yeah. like aside from sending an arrow at an animal, like the experiences you have when you become an active predator in nature blow your mind. Yeah. And, and with that emotional aspect, it's going to be hard. I am very connected to animals. I love animals. I grew up trying to save every little tiny creature I found. And I think that that is really, really hard for people to grasp. Yeah. Especially if they're not in it, if they're not um, very close to, to nature or not really a part of it. Like you were, were mentioning that it's really hard for people to understand that there are hunters, many of them, that deeply love nature and love animals and they are hunting them. And I think that that's a really hard um, like gap to bridge for people, you know? Yeah. And, you know, when you were talking about kind of the comfort piece of that we are spectators mostly, unfortunately, like we've created this really comfortable world and we're very removed from like what I was saying is the real world. Um, it, I just want everybody to go and buy the book. <laughs> The Comfort Crisis. <laughs> that is like my all-time favorite book. I've read it four times, and it just puts a lot of like what we're talking about. It just puts so much of it in this like eloquent, packaged, easily digestible um, chapters. You know. Yeah. And so, if people don't understand, or if they want like um, kind of a, a different view, or just to read a really, really good, impactful book, man, Comfort Crisis. And it all follows um, a story of a hunt that the author went on with Donnie Vincent with oh, Donnie. Donnie. <laughs> oh, dreamy Donnie. <laughs> Done. Yeah. So I just had to put that plug in there for people that are, you know, want to want to read a really good book and have some cool thoughts. So Yeah. Go check that out. Yeah. We've covered a lot of things that we're excited for. Yeah. we're preparing for is there anything that you're hesitant about or skeptical of or is a concern that you're like oh but when this happens or like what what are you worried about i don't i i don't want there to be any suffering yeah and that's on me you know that's going to be on me to prepare so that's the only thing that i'm like man i want a a good clean close shot if I'm going to take an animal and and do all of that, like, because I want to do this for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. And so it's not like, you know, this is an important trip for sure. So that's the only thing that I think of where I'm like, oh, man, I just want a really, a really good shot to give me the best opportunity to not create suffering for that animal. Um, other than that, though, I don't think that there's anything that I'm really skeptical of or, or worried about or... Yeah, if you can, I mean, if you go out there confident in your abilities, confident in the gear, and happy with how much time you've spent preparing, yeah. like, that's one thing. You can be as confident, like, there's people with false confidence all the time. They're like, oh, no, man, I can hit it. Like, I've heard people talk about that with turkey hunting, like, oh, dude, I can hit, I can, this shotgun can shoot 80 yards, you know? Yeah. But it's like, do you practice at that? Like, do you 100%, like, all cards on the table, believe in yourself to do mm -hmm. it? Because that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get out there and you're just like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Doubt can 
can ruin you and hurt you. But like, I know that you're going to put in the time. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to have the repetitions behind the bow and you're going to be so comfortable once we actually get out there. And you know what? Now that we're talking about this, um, the other thing is because this is my first time with big game, the angles and understanding anatomy. Yep. I think that's going to be like, yeah, I can watch tons of videos on that and I can read about it and look at diagrams and all, but there, you, you can't practice every single angle. And, and yeah, that's, that's one thing where I'm a little nervous about. Have you, have you looked into the Acubo at all? Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. So the Acubo is, it's basically, I don't know if it's a molded or 3d printed bow. It's got like a surgical tubing mm-hmm. string on it. You can still, it's got a D loop on that and you can change the surgical tubing out to kind of match your draw mm-hmm. or like the poundage that you're shooting, but you still use your release. And then your phone actually mounts up where like the sight pick or your, um, your sights are. And it's like an app paired with it. And so you can actually practice shooting. You actually like hit your release and shoot. There's no arrow involved, but on your screen, it's got pins. It does different shot angles and yardages and, you know, quartering two, quartering away, everything. And so that might be something to look into. I've been wanting to get one for a long time. I just have not, I haven't done it yet, but yeah, they're like just the fundamentals, like Mm -hmm. the mechanics of it. It helps with that. And then, it, hopefully the app is super accurate with like actual quartering away shots or, you know, if you're shooting down on an animal, if right. you're up on a cliff and it's down below you, like hopefully I can't imagine that it's like not accurate, but yeah. that might be something to look at because one is compact too. So like you could just bring that and practice every day with that, even when you can't get out I've and fire real arrows. That. that is so We're going to, okay. So what, well, what have we covered that we need to look up? We need to look, we need to look that up. What did I mention earlier? Video of something. A video of something. I'm going to have to look back. I said I'd show you. I was like, oh, we'll show. I don't know. Yeah. The listeners are like, dude, come on, <laughs> you idiots. Um, yeah, so to practice that stuff, the shot angles, they're kind of tricky. Like mm-hmm. they can be, but really hopefully we can get you set up with a good broadside shot or yeah. we can get in position if one's – you know, cresting over a hill and we can get set up to where you're going to have that, mm-hmm. that good angle. The biggest thing is like quartering two shots are just tough. Yeah. And especially and honestly, on a first animal. Yeah. Them. You just yeah. kind of shy away from that yeah. because you have a giant shoulder and shoulder blade obstructing basically all the vitals yeah. at that point. And so we'll just, we'll try to get a quartering away or perfectly broadside shot. And maybe that's our criteria. Yeah. It's all going to happen. It is all going to happen. What have have you thought about what all you're going to show or share on social media? You know, a little bit. Um, I think that a lot of what people, hmm, how do I say this? Okay. It's an interesting community. Um, and I think whenever you get into any like niche community, people make it, people are very attached to how others show up. Um, 
the gear that they use, what they talk about, how they produce a video, whatever it may be. And in everything that I do, I'm just going to make sure that it is 100% me. So, sounds like a dog fight out there. Um, so, <clears throat> I think a lot of people really focus on the kill. A lot of the videos that I watch, it's all about the kill, which makes sense, you know? That's why pe people are hunting. Something that I want to make sure that I really cover with our trip, and maybe it's going to be one video, maybe it's going to be three. You know, I don't know how long we're going to be out there, but I want my viewers to see the entire experience. I want them to see all of the prep that we do and that I do, practicing leading up to it. I want, like, our time out in nature because that's the bulk of it. It's us being out in the backcountry like struggling, challenging ourselves, the time spent glassing, the time spent even preparing food or taking, you know, taking an afternoon just to go fly fish the, the lakes up there, whatever it may be. And like that, I want them just immersed into that experience because yeah. my audience, they're not hunters, but they want to see the adventures that I go on and the things that I experience and what I learn from it. Yep. And so that and you know, YouTube is weird right now with the hunting world and what you can show and what you can't. I don't think that we can show processing the animal at that all. That is so weird to me. I know. I think that it has to... I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that you can show the animal. Maybe the kill shot. I don't know that right now if they're changing that. But then, the like, the meat can't look like the animal, I think. Like, we can't show, like, us butchering and... and, and doing like that aspect of the hunt i don't think that's so it's it's very i mean it just kind of speaks to the culture and how removed we are oh, from our food for sure because like for a long time i can't remember what their names were like the backs the backyard boys like they did barbecue they smoked meat they were one of the top youtube channels like when youtube really mm -hmm. started taking off and the whole thing was them cooking meat Right? Yeah. And so it's like, you're totally fine with every, like, all of the, like, dirty work being done. Mm -hmm. And then, like, when it comes time to make something tasty, you're good with it. But I'm yeah. like, man, I feel like, as a whole, we just all need to be more connected to where our food comes from. And yeah. that doesn't, that's not just with meat. Like, that's right. with fruit and vegetables, too. Like, the I amount of food that totally, we get, yeah. that gets thrown out, just because it doesn't look like you know, the little the little puzzle piece that your kid gets with a mm -hmm. beautiful red, perfectly round <laughs> apple or like a banana or a zucchini. Like yeah. fruits look weird. When you actually farm them, when and you have a garden, <laughs> they are so weird looking. The shapes that they come out in, yeah. that's just how it is. Yeah. But yeah, people are like, oh, I'm not eating that one. That one looks weird. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's perfectly good. It gives you all the same vitamins and nutrients as the other one. It's just a different shape. And, and how it's all produced, too. Yeah. Like, all the impact of how those are produced and everything going on with that. And, yeah, I totally agree. See, that's one. I mean, I, I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds on this, but, like, one of the I know exactly big arguments I've heard, like, <laughs> uh, well, like, yeah. vegans are like, oh, how could you do that to animals? And then it's like, well, look at how many animals are killed just to produce the vegetables that we eat. Like, so many animals are displaced lose their habitat of it, yeah habitat, there's so much to that, it yeah. and it's not that i want to like shame people like oh well you're doing this but just to make people aware hey 
everything we do. We're consumers. We are very heavily consumers. Mm -hmm. Everything we do has an impact. One of the really big things that I like about hunting and really any outdoor activity is how much goes back, like the taxes that come off of hunting and fishing Mm -hmm. equipment goes back to habitat improvement or like the organizations that I'm a part of. One thing that we should look at, I don't know if you've become a member of any of the conservation organizations Mm -hmm. like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or I I don't know the name of the mule deer one. I really should. But maybe we look at that and say, hey, listen, if we're going to do this, we're going to become a part of this organization. Like we're going to go and, you know, reap the benefits of what the hard work that they've put in to like bring bring populations up and restore numbers. And Mm -hmm. so. Maybe we look at that too. Yeah, absolutely. And for some maybe people that are really new to this, just for context, I think this tag is going to cost me about five hundred dollars. Yeah. Just for the opportunity, you know, that doesn't guarantee anything. No, that's, that's just, just the opportunity. That definitely does not guarantee. Yeah. Success. <laughs> yeah. So that you know, and a lot of that's going back to what we get to do, and yeah. People yeah, people have a hard time swallowing the money side of it too. Oh my gosh, I did. Like five hundred dollars. Like, ridiculous. Five hundred dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. But I I try to keep in mind and like share the perspective that even if you don't have typical success where you shoot an animal and mm-hmm. bring it home, you can have a very successful trip mm-hmm. without ever killing something. Right. Like think about hey. For $500, Linnea, you could go hang out in the wilderness for a whole month (laughs) and see the coolest things you've ever seen in some of the most beautiful country you've ever been in for 500 Mm bucks. You'd be like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And you know what? You might also get a shot at a mule deer and bring home 70 pounds of really good clean meat. Mm -hmm. Holy cow, all for 500 bucks? (laughs) You know? But when it's like, hey, I'm paying for a green or yellow or orange or whatever color slip of paper that says I can kill an animal, you're like $500. Are you kidding me? So I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be an adventure either way. We're going to have a lot of fun and hopefully this gets you hooked (laughs) and makes you want to do it more. I know, I know the emotions are coming. And so that's one of the things that sometimes I lose sight of like for people who are unfamiliar with it, like there is a lot of emotion that goes into it. Yeah. And even for me, there are certain hunts, and I, I don't know why there's no like algorithm for it, where certain animals that I shoot, there's just like more, I don't know, there's just like a rush of yeah. emotion when it happens. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's just like watching some movies. Now that I'm a father of a daughter, <laughs> I get choked up at stupid <laughs> crap, and it makes me so mad. I love that. I watch stuff, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, babe, a bug's in my eye. Like, I'm totally fine. That's so funny. And But I feel like it's the same thing with hunting. Yeah. There's certain animals that there's just some strange tie yeah. that I can't explain. And, and I've got to keep that in mind, especially for you. Mm-hmm. Somebody who loves animals, which... I'm an animal lover. Yeah. To go out and experience this, like, yeah, there's going to be so many aspects to the journey. Yeah. And I think, like, I want you to know, too, how grateful I am that I'm doing this with you. Like, I feel like since we connected, it was almost 
the universe being like, hey, like, this is your dude. Like, here he is. Like, take him up on all this stuff, you know? <laughs> and that we just met when we did. And, I mean, I know our first hunt didn't work out for various reasons. But now it's like, it's go time. And we have this connection. We understand each other. And we've already been in the backcountry. And I'm just so excited and so grateful. It's going to be... It's going to be a yearly thing, at least once a year. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And there, the nice thing is, like, we both have family in Wisconsin. Yeah. Like, there's other hunting opportunities, mm-hmm. but I know for you and your style and, like, just your level of activity, mm-hmm. sitting in a tree sand probably isn't the right thing for you the <laughs> yeah. first hunt. You're like, really, agree. this is so dumb. Like, <laughs> let's get out and move. Yeah. Um, and so I'm pumped for it. Do you... This might be looking way forward because, you know, you haven't even done your first big game hunt. Is there something that you're really wanting to do down the road? Is there any type of hunt that you're like, this is a bucket list. Like, I really want to go and do this or experience this place. Mm -hmm. Have you thought farther ahead than just this hunt yet? I mean, I'm sure it's no surprise that an elk hunt for sure is something that I want to do. But I know we talked about this before where I'm like, I need to work up to that. Yeah. You know, and get a lot of experience under my belt or um, go, like, even just go on hunts with, like, not having the tag myself, you know, and just experiencing other people's knowledge and backcountry skills and all that stuff. But, um, of course, Alaska popped in my mind. Always. (laughs) But, you know, is that really realistic? And it Do 100% actually, is. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be really neat, especially because I might be up there for a while in the coming years and spending, you know, spring, summer, fall up there in the van. It would just be a really cool, unique. I mean, it's incredible wilderness. You, hey, you don't forget you little old Dan when you go up well, there and I start hunting stuff. Well, I know that's why I'm telling you. Like, of course, you have to go up there with me. <laughs> We we need to plan a trip because you haven't been yet, have you? Mm-mm. We need to go up there because just yeah. the fly fishing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Alaska is. <laughs> Alaska's my mistress. <laughs> like <laughs> Sam's always like, "You're not gonna leave me for somebody, are you? You're never gonna leave me." And I'm like, "If I left you for anything, it'd be Alaska." <laughs> like that is. <laughs> but she loves it just as much yeah. as I do. So we would not leave each other we'd both just go there yeah uh alaska though is unreal Mm -hmm. and yeah talk about like the hunting and the fishing i don't know if i I told you about this like you've you've kind of been with us as we've been trying to find property in a house my buddy drew sent me this little fish shack on in southeast east alaska on like five acres and like you have to take a boat you know, there's no other way to get there. And it's like $160,000. And I'm like, oh, oh I want to buy it so bad. You should. You know how cool that would be? It would be so cool. It's ti- I mean, it's like the size of this school bus. Yeah. And it's got like a little dock out on the front of it that Dan, drops straight that into the water. So I'll cool. see if I can find the link because, yeah, he sent it to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want it. <laughs> and I showed Sam and she's like. That is so awesome. We should totally get that. But also, we need to move out of my mom's attic first. So, uh, yeah. we're. But my goal is to one day to have a fish shack in Alaska that we can just go to. Like black-tailed deer hunt, go halibut fishing, lingcod, 
fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything, as an animal lover, as someone who's fairly new to the sport, are there animals that are, like, super off limits for you? Is there something that you're like, no, absolutely not. I have no interest. If I'm not going to eat it, I'm not going to hunt it. But anything you would eat? Anything I would eat, I would, I would hunt. I'm not interested in hunting cougar. Because there's something that I talked to you about or I mentioned, and you you took a big, deep breath of air. What was it? Was it mountain lion? No. Was it bear? No. Was it? It's much smaller. It's much smaller? Oh, coyote? No. Oh, what's Smaller. It? Smaller than a coyote? It was a frog. Oh, <gasps> uh-uh. Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. I cannot. They, I have a soft, loving, warm place in my heart for frogs. <laughs> okay. I can't do it. So I won't invite you frog gigging. No. Okay. No. Dan, I cannot do that. Amphib- <laughs> no, I can't kill. That's can't really kill interesting. Amphibians. That's, I, lo- I know. That's so interesting because I feel like most people, it's like mammals they're connected to and they're like oh my gosh but if you were to say like oh i killed the snake they'd be like oh i hate snakes well but that for actually you, really bothers me the disconnect of like why is some life more important than other like i could i could never kill a snake but i also won't eat one actually i would probably eat a snake i would try a snake. i heard rattlesnakes really yeah. good yeah i would eat i would eat one but no frogs i grew i grew up like cuddling frogs i just I, can't I grew do up it. cuddling frogs. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's one thing that I had just mentioned to Sam right before we started recording. I'm going to keep a journal of all the funny <laughs> things that I hear you say all throughout this trip, and it's going to be so good. I'm just going to publish a book. Okay. Like, I'm going to think of a really creative name for it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you will. And people are going to love it. Oh, my gosh. Like, things like, I grew up cuddling frogs. <laughs> It's a perfect title for the book, Cuddling Frogs. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we won't take too much time because we are here with the rest of our team. We're about to go to breakfast oh yes. or coffee or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm just so pumped. I'm it's so going to be amazing. Oh, we got to figure out food, too. Yeah. What we want to do for food. Mm-hmm. Some people are, like, super intense. I think Remy Warren doesn't bring a jet boil at all. Mm-hmm. And he, like cold cooks his mountain house so he just pours water in Mm -hmm. and then he'll just wait an hour for it to you know saturate i love a warm meal in the backcountry there's something about it i'm gonna be having my coffee every morning i'm not that's my favorite favorite if i when i'm in the backcountry my morning cup of coffee sitting in complete silence with nothing around me except for whatever i see Birds and the, with oh. nothing around me except all of creation. <laughs> <laughs> nothing around me as far as humans go. I know you'll be there. But just like taking it all in with my warm coke. Favorite, favorite time ever in my days in the backcountry. We'll just wait until so we're doing happy. that with like, well, it's probably going to be pretty warm. I was going to say like yeah, in our we'll sleeping bags. Elevation. Yeah, I mean, we will. That, that unit. Yeah. I think it'll be just transitioning into fall weather. It honestly might be perfect. To be like warming up though in the morning, like yeah, you get up and you're like a little chilled from the night and then you just get set up behind a tripod and you're just like glassing. That's yeah. the best part of the day for me. It's going to be so great. We also, we just have a lot to figure out. Like how many days do we want to be out before we restock? 
how, like, do we want a sort of base camp? Do we want to, you know, pack up everything? You know, there's just so much to, yeah. we have so many options out there. It's just really vast. We do. Know? There's a lot to talk through and a short amount of time. I know. Didn't, like, coming into this conversation, even for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, in, like, seven months. That's what it feels like. Two and a half months. Yeah. Two and a half months. Crazy. But also, I love having something like that to look forward to. Yeah. Like, I will, when we were preparing for last year's hunt, for, like, a month, I would go to sleep. And, like, I couldn't sleep because I was so excited. Or I'd dream about hunting. Or I'd dream about shooting because of the excitement and, like, the anxiety in, like, a positive way, you know? And all the things that I had to do and, and what could happen. And just, we both know the the, you know... The opportunities of what can be seen out there. Yeah. And so it's like all of the excitement of everything. I'm just going to be dreaming about this now for the next two months. Oh, that's going to be so mind. good. I know. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap for this one. Cool. Obviously, there's going to be a follow-up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bring my gear out with me. Maybe like to the van. Mm-hmm. I'll have it there. But my cell phone. Uh, one thing I do want to get is an inReach. I have I one. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Sweet. Okay. So that'll be great just to communicate, you know, because, yeah. like, Sam and the kids will be there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's coming up. And then we're going to film it all. We're going to film it, and we're going to do nightly recaps. Yeah. Like, just 10, 15-minute, <laughs> like, this was what was amazing from today. We're eating quail and trout right now (laughs) anyways well thanks for hopping on uh actually before we hop off where can people find you ah yes linnea and akila on pretty much all platforms yeah sweet i'll put a link in the episode okay awesome And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. It's always fun when I get to sit down and talk with friends, especially people that are getting into hunting. Like, nothing excites me more than hunting with new people, and I am so pumped about this, and I can't believe we're only a couple months away from it. I feel like I need to be, like, you know that feeling when you've got a hunt coming up or you've got a big trip planned, and you're like, shoot, I haven't started really doing a whole lot for this. That's kind of the feeling that I got when we discovered that we're only a few months out. So, lots to do over the summer, and we're going to be tackling this thing pretty quickly here. So, you guys are going to have to stay tuned and see how that hunt plays out. We're going to be out there for quite a while. I mean, luckily we both have that time freedom to where we can be out there hunting a ton. Um, I think me and my family are going to be pretty mobile at that point living in a camper traveling around the country and so i don't know it could end up being a super long super fun hunt hopefully we get it done quickly and we're not out there for like 40 days but anyway stay tuned see how that all goes and until next time get out there and chase a new adventure